Today, we're going to finish up on this glorious book of Philippians. Um, and so far in, in the book, um, the themes that really have jumped out have been joy. You can add to my list joy, the partnership in the gospel, the gospel itself has been a theme, um, humility, um, and just the idea of being in Christ, our relationship, our connection in Christ, and how that then drives our living, the way that we live, and living for Christ. Um, so we'll uh, finish up with this section, which is primarily uh, talking about giving and receiving. And so we'll take a look at some of the themes that sort of come out, come out of that. And there's six primary ones. But um, to start, uh, Jeff, would you open us up? Just a quick word. Joe, I just want to thank you for this wonderful rain we received last night. And uh, we just pray that you just uh, be with us as we look in the book of Philippians and we hear what Paul's given to us in Christ. Amen. So, um, I'll just go ahead and read it, and let's go through um, Philippians 4, starting at verse 10, until the end. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have received your concern, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches in glory in Christ Jesus. His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. 
The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So, um, so Paul is sort of, uh, he's completing this book. And um, when he, verse 10, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Um, and he says why. And what's interesting is he sort of, as he's finishing up this book, we'll see a number of sort of bookends. He's sort of uh, repeating some of the themes that he did at the beginning. And it's... Um, I think, I think Paul does that in a number of, of books, but it's um, an interesting, um, I don't know what you call it, literary device or whatever, but um, it seems to, um, I think it's cool just how it you know, packages, packages it up. And, um, but like for instance, um, yeah, you start at the very beginning, um, when he said, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, and just speaking of the joy that he had, and then uh, it's just, um, he comes back to that. And as he has referenced throughout, at times throughout the book, he's, specifically, he um, is greatly appreciated, appreciative of their generosity and their gifts to him. And so this is where he really um, goes in at length to this um, subject. So he talks about, um, I guess before, so there's gonna be like six topics, but sort of leading up to that, it, there's this, um, there's this idea, there's something in here where you have, uh, he, he hints at where they had given to him and then there must have been some kind of a gap in time where they weren't able, now no one really knows what that is, but probably it was in his travels and stuff, there wasn't the, well he says they, they didn't have the opportunity. So something sort of interrupted that where they, um, he, he was receiving help initially, then he wasn't and um, now he's receiving their help again. Um, but the thing that he acknowledges is he never doubts their sincerity or their desire to, to help him. So he never, um, he never took that as, or he never complained about the fact that he stopped receiving their help. And um, he, he acknowledges that their concern was still there. Um, and he, as he's going to get into here, he acknowledges that their concern was not simply concern, not only concern, but it was matched with actual um, um, the word just the actual uh, carrying out, you know, physical, physically. Um, matching their concern with action, I guess. Um, so, so the first word, and the way it titled it, six words on giving and receiving. So the first word is gratitude. And as, as talked about, there's sort of another, sort of this explosion of joy, which um, Paul, throughout the book, there's been times when just, he's just overwhelmed with joy and he expresses that. And 
So he's expressing once again his joy for the giving. Now, um, some of the reading I did, it, it talks about how Paul um, dealt with some of the, perhaps some of the pitfalls of, and sometimes we have to deal with this. Um, if someone is generous to us, we want to express, express gratitude. Sometimes, um, I don't know about you, sometimes it's like I'm not sure the exact way to do it. And he talk, they talk about some of the pitfalls, and I can, I can uh, relate to these. Um, one of them is manipulation. And, I mean, some people are manipulative, but some of us might be sensitive. Okay, I don't want to come across like I'm showing this gratitude because I want more gifts and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, maybe that's a concern. And... And um, another one is, another pitfall is flattery. It's, I, think, I think that sort of goes with the first one. It's like I don't want to um, appear like I'm, you know, flattering for, I guess, for a manipulative reason. And, um, but I also want to recognize that it's not the person it's it's the Lord. That's who should be lifted up, and then and the other pitfall is silence. Just um, saying, well, I don't want to. You know, maybe I shouldn't say anything because I don't want to focus on the thing, the gift, the money, whatever, and not the Lord. But we show where Paul sort of there is a certain mastery, I guess, in the way Paul handles it, in that he he doesn't fall into any of these pitfalls. And the, I th the first thing is he, in verse 10, says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length, at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you hadn't more, uh, you had no opportunity. And he's going to, remind them that it was as he gets into it he's going to emphasize that it's the the fruit that they bear that's that is of um, greater concern to him than actually what he's getting out of it and so I guess through through all of this, it's how he. Um, I think probably part of the way to sum it up is it's the Lord is lifted up through all of this. So it's um, and his concern isn't so much for the gift itself as it, as he, is their benefit, what they get, what they benefit out of it. Um, so he, he expresses this gratitude and um, which is, you know, obviously I think that's, I think we would all agree that um, that's an important part, you know, the giving and receiving that uh, we ought all be cheerful givers but also, you know, showing gratitude, recognizing when someone else is giving. Um, it's important to 
I guess acknowledge that. I think it's also important to sometimes, um, like this subject's come up before, but sometimes we might be tempted to deny someone that opportunity to give. And um, sometimes we, uh, whether, I know in cases that I've dealt with, uh, just in my own, um, I think it's come down to pride or something like that, or, or an idea that, well, I think it would be more loving for me to not, um, you know, not, not have them sacrifice or put themselves out to help me. But um, in a sense, that's denying someone this opportunity and denying, the, denying someone the opportunity to be fruitful, to bear fruit. And um, so just as important as giving, I think, is receiving in that sense, so. My, just, I mean, another way to look at it is like, um, that when someone has done something for you or given something to you, is that maybe the Lord has blessed them in a way that they want to then take that same blessing and, and give it to someone else, you know, or extend it to them as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then, or by somebody doing something, it's like you said, and I think, I can't remember if it was OHC or Emmaus that it, I heard one of the pastors say this, but then when we don't allow somebody else to do something for us, we're taking away that opportunity of serving someone else. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was wondering, is the sort of tune they had no opportunity to show that? And I was wondering if that's sort of in conflict with verse 15, where he comments that the, they're the only ones that sent him a gift. Yeah. yeah, that's where it, it seems like um, some of the reading I had is that, yeah, there's an acknowledgement they were there at the beginning, and there seemed to be some gap in there where. Or is he referring to some? something other than giving they, they didn't have an opportunity yeah it, it's sort of yeah it's sort of unknown but um but well, the uncle Arden, uh, back then you didn't have uh, ups or anything yeah. I mean, how would you track paul down that's yeah new. yeah I mean, it's not like it's not like hey we're gonna send him an email and say hey, where are you at or give him a call yeah it's gonna be tough to get i mean it'd be a full-time job just to you know, here's, we're going to see you give, well, how do you track the camera? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, in this case, they, he sent, you know, they sent a delegation to bring this gift. And, right, well, he's in jail now. So well, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly right. I, I hadn't even thought of that. Now, yeah, now we have the opportunity. Cause, yeah, exactly, you know where that. Yeah, because he, he was, he was always on the move, and mm -hmm. sometimes he got chased out of town. And, yeah, I, you know. yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, I love what you were saying with receiving. I think it's so applicable to us, especially just thinking about today, thinking about all of the like sons and daughters who are going to see their dads today and how many of them are like, Dad never 
showed me gratitude in a specific way that I wanted. And, you know, yeah. when you're talking about gratitude, I was just like, oh, yeah, like, I know that I have the problem growing up of like, yeah, you showed gratitude about one thing, but I wanted gratitude over here. Yeah. You know, like, I don't care about my grades. I wanted you to like my music. You never did, or whatever it may be. Yeah. And what you're saying about like, it's not about you. It's right. all the glory goes to God. Why are you getting specific about how people want to present you with gratitude? Yeah. That's a problem of the heart big time. Yeah. That was really convicting. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. So, so he, he moves into here. So he's, he's grateful for the gift. He need, he has he has needs and they're meeting his needs. But now he he makes it very clear that um, beyond that or irrespective of that, he's not discounting it, but he talks about um, I guess what <laughs> the gift. I, I, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but. Um, irrespective of receiving this from them, um, the condition of the heart is needs to be one of contentment. And so, so it's not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned that the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Um, so he speaks of contentment. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on, and we're going to come back to this at the end, because I think this is, at least for me, um, for me, this is sort of an important area that I need a lot of work on. And so um, I thought maybe we drill into that a little bit more, and there's some other uh, scripture passages to look at. Um, so, jump on. Um, so, 14 through 16. Um, move in and come to this next word, which is partnership. Um, I'll throw it out. Someone want to reread 14 through 16? Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even at Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Right, so Paul's touched on this before. It really, at the, at the very beginning, he really talked when he was talked about how he was just overcome with joy. He, it was this partnership that, um, that they had with him, that he had with, with, he had with them, they had with him. And it was um, this, I, I think again, we see this, they, this kind of sympathy that they had for him but also this authenticity that um, they put into action. Um, what they said. He's getting missionary support. Yeah, yes, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think that's just, for us, 
you know, when we give on, on Sunday morning, our giving, we're giving, we're, um, you know, sacrificing uh, some of what we have. But what we're, what we're also doing is we're entering into partnership. Every time we give, we're entering into partnerships. We, some, of our, some of what we give goes to missionaries. And so we all have this partnership with the mission missionaries that we support. We have this partnership. Each, each one of us has a partnership with, you know, every, everything that's going on um, in this church. And so, and that just brings, I guess that's one aspect of what Paul really uh, has been bringing into focus all throughout this book is, and we've, we've talked about how some verses that we've sort of, at least, you know, me, I've always applied that to myself, but really everything that Paul is talking about is within the context of the, a community of believers. And so, um, you know, and Paul brings that down very concretely that he's doing, he's on this missionary journey, he's reaching these churches, he's doing these things, but he's doing it as one of a community of believers, partnership with, with, with others. And so, um, that's, that's the reality of it. And so, um, you know, and that's just what he, uh, once again, brings out very clearly here. Um, so, and the gospel itself is, um, the gospel message itself is entrusted Sure, there's um, individual evangelists, and but every evangelist that is out spreading, spreading the word, he's doing it because he's in some way being supported. There's a partnership. So the gospel has been entrusted to the church as a community, and it's, um, and it ought to be thought of, you know, in that context, I think, always. Um, So verse 17, move on to the next word, um, which talked a little bit about, but uh, fruitfulness. So he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. So here, as we, as we were talking about, his concern, he's thankful, he's... Um, just so thankful for the support that they've sent, but he's expressing once again that his focus isn't on the gift itself, but it's on what it can do for them, uh, how it's beneficial to them, and the fruit that is born uh, there. And there's a spiritual significance where um, it benefits them in the here and now, um, or the there and then. <laughs> but for us, the here and now, um, spiritually. So uh, 
and uh, you can refer back to let's see one eleven where uh, he Paulus talks about says they're filled filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So this fruit is the fruit of righteousness. So they're does that mean does that mean they're made righteous by giving? <laughs> Are they made righteous by the action? Are they made righteous by the fruit? I think the fruit is the bearing out, the the expression of the righteousness that. Um, another another have. ways you can help besides you know funding and yeah. spiritual development. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, 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 exactly. So giving is a, um, a, a fruit of right. It's one of it's, it's not, you know, you go back to Galatians, it's not listed out as a fruit of the spirit, but it is um, definitely this generosity is um, a way of their of them expressing uh, or uh, bearing this fruit of righteousness. Yeah, just taking your time to do things for mm -hmm. gospel sake. Um, well, it will go along with, we're talking fruit of the Spirit, it will go along with kindness and goodness. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, you're right. I, I agree with that, yeah. Um, yeah. And even in this case, maybe some patience is waiting for me to So, um, can't read my notes, but. So, um, oh, yeah. It's so, in general, for, I mean, there were some notes in there, I think, geared to pastors and teachers and stuff, but basically, don't, that the teaching of money should not be. Teaching about money should not be neglected um, if a pastor or someone is maybe reluctant to teach about money because don't want to seem like I'm, you know, um, you know, trying to hit up the congregation for um, which, you know, obviously there are some out there that do that, that there are char charlatans out there and yeah. And but the right reaction to the charlatans out there is not to completely neglect because in doing that you would be neglecting a very important aspect of Christian living and bearing a fruit and, and that kind of thing. So um it's, it's even this verse it's, it's been all throughout this is my first time really digging through an epistle, so it's been crazy for me. But but seeing it throughout the whole book he has this amazing way of being Christ-like and being like, let's break apart the components and go back to what this really means. Yeah. Like, and you can kind of sense that even this series, like we've got A, which is you, you got B, which is me in person, you got the action C, come to me. How is God glorified in here? And how do, like, he always has this way of breaking it down and being like, I know that none of us deserve the glory, so what's the meaning of this? And then he's like, oh, this is your fruit. Mm -hmm. So you can bear fruit, of course. Yeah. He's so smart. Yeah. 
And there's, um, and I think, and now Paul brings out, I think, which is, so there's this here and now spiritual component, but there's also this eternal component, which he says, which I, which comes out this, these last three words in verse 17, to your credit, not that I seek the gift, seek the fruit of righteous that increases to your credit. So there is this doesn't mean we earn our salvation. We're not credited with um, um, salvation because of the money given, but there is this eternal aspect of it. Jesus taught this. Um, uh, someone read, uh, look up Matthew 6, 19 through 24. Matthew 6, what? 6, 19 through 24. So part of giving um, generosity, um, supporting ministry, um, that is um, displaying or uh, living out that <clears throat> that our treasures are, you know, our physical treasures are not um, need to be applied to, you know, eternal, eternal. <clears throat> Uh, things. Also, Luke, I have Luke 12, 32 through 34. It's uh, 12, Luke 12, 32 to 34. I think I Again, I, I've heard that Jesus talked about money. Well, I can't remember what it was right, but Jesus talked a lot about money. Um, and, but it was the, the right place, <laughs> um, the right place of money. And so, you know. Humanity, the kings brought gifts to 
interesting you mentioned that you know the kings bring you know when Jesus was born or when he was an infant these uh, mag magi they brought these gifts and it was I think that's sort of a good segue into what follows that um, giving is worship is an act of worship um, someone please read verses 18 through 20 reread So that's uh, it's a, definitely a uh, sort of allusion to Old Testament um, um, concepts here, but the idea of the the um, you know fragrant offering, the um, I forget what the instrument in the in the uh, tabernacle, but the um, incense. Yeah, the incense. Yeah. The, so. Um, the idea of, uh, you know, obviously using um, human terms, but a fragrance that is um, lifted up to God um, with the idea that God is pleased with this. It's something that brings God pleasure. Now, as I was looking at this, I was sort of, I was over just sort of overwhelmed by this idea. I mean, think of this, like in the Old Testament, but here he's talking about our giving is a fragrant offering. It's a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. I mean, think about that for a second, but we, we are doing something that brings God pleasure. I mean, is that... I mean, how could that even even be that you know the God the creator of the universe we can bring him pleasure and it's like wow um, um, is there any higher <laughs> thing than that um, well, it's fine, you know, for you, you send a gift for your and 
In other words, you sent him to help me out too while he's here. So yeah. Sort of a double help. Yeah. Yeah. Monetary and then a person help too. Yeah. And of course, as we read previously, in other words, mm -hmm. he even got sick. And yeah. And then he got sort of lonesome or homesick, shall we say, so I sent him back. So, yeah, so our, I mean, our giving is an act of love. There's this horizontal aspect, definitely. I mean, we understand that. But um, to realize that there's this vertical aspect, this uh, we are worshiping God. Um, whenever we give, you know, give from the heart generously, we're worshiping, with God. we're worshiping God and we are pleasing Him. We are giving Him pleasure. So that's just... Um, um, loving one another as he wants us to love each other. That's, yeah. that's the purpose of giving to one another. Yeah. That's the purpose of helping one another because we are God's love one another in Christ. Yeah. And with the ultimate end in verse 20, um, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So ultimately, it brings him glory. It lifts up his name and um, declares to one another, declares to the world um, who God is. It lifts up his name and glorifies him. So, which is, which is the ultimate, which is the object, what ought to be the object of everything we do. Um, and so... Yeah, and the. It's not one but mine. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all, you know, we're, God has said we're pre. Uh, we have the priesthood of believers, so we're all priests. And um, I think one of the, I think, in the men's group we looked at this or we talked about it. I think, um, but how there are places in the New Testament where it says specifically sacrifice. So. And one of them is Romans 12, we present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice. So that's specifically, you know, that really references our sacrifice as priests, you know. Um, but here's another that, you know, gets very specific that, you know, as priests now, um, this is one of the sacrifices, one way we fulfill that priesthood. Um, so, which 
highlights the importance, once again, of giving, of what we do with our money. Um, but that is a very important function of our, um, of our being priests, you know, believer, priest. Now, the last word is faith. And that really, um, that's specifically in verse 19. As priests, we give, we give these sacrifices. And then verse 19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Um, that theme which um, is throughout um, scripture, um, depending on God to provide for our needs. Um, and I guess, um, you know, financial fear is real for <laughs> all of us at, at one point or another. Um, and I guess the thing I was thinking, I, I, I just came to me, I jotted it down. Financial fear is real. But God is more real. <laughs> um, his promises are true that um, that He will take care of our every need. And um, I look back at in uh, earlier in the chapter. Uh, I think this is a this is a way of um, an application of. Uh, Let's see, four, six, yeah, six and seven. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Um, that's what we do with our fear, is we go, <laughs> we go to that, and we go to God in prayer and being thankful for what he ha how he has provided for us throughout these times, these times before when we've been fearful and we've seen God come through and provide for us. Um, we look back, we're thankful for those and we go back to God in prayer and overcoming the fear by knowing who God is, that he's bigger than any of our circumstances. Um, and so, so let's go back. I'm going to go back now and talk about contentment. And um, let me go back to my notes. I just want to, as an example, when you say God cares for our circumstances, uh, years ago, a friend of mine had, she, she usually lives paycheck to paycheck, or at least she did back then and had no insurance, and her son had to have a tonsillectomy, so she spent the hospital and the hospital was to be. And she said, she took me by surprise, she said, that I thought, it didn't take God by surprise. Yeah, yeah, that, so that, that was, was good. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's, yeah, that's great perspective. That's a great way to put it. Um, yeah, so fear, yeah, our fear is not, uh, we know fear is not of God. Our fear um, um, is from the enemy. Our fear is 
um, fleshly. It's, it comes from, it doesn't come from God. It's, uh, and, but within that, you know, sort of goes along with this. Sometimes with, our fear might be manifested by just a lack of contentment or, you know, well, fear or no fear, uh, oftentimes we're not content. I'm not content. And um, that's, that's a real issue for me a, a lot of times. It's just a, a lack of contentment. Um, go back to, let's look back at verse 11 uh, through 13. I'll read it. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul himself has um, lived through very extreme, these, these different extremes. Um, and so he, He's someone who can, <laughs> with authority, um, it's, I mean, he has authority of God, but he just, he has sort of this uh, authority to speak. He knows what he's talking about when he talks about being content in any circumstance. Um, he's had plenty. He's been, um, Lydia, who was part of this church, um, you know, took, she was rich, she had money, she took care of him. Am, am I getting the right person? He had benefactors who um, would, um, you know, take care of him. So there were times when he had plenty. He, he wasn't um, living in need, but obviously there were other times when he um, lived in great need. Um, there's so many, so many examples that he talks about. So, let's see, just pick one. Uh, someone want to look at 1 Corinthians 4, 11, and 12? Anyone, anyone? Sorry. To the present hour we hunger and thirst, we are poorly dressed. I never know when to say buffet or buffet. <laughs> <laughs> buffet. Buffet. <laughs> <laughs> it's a first Corinthians 4 11. Sorry, guys. Uh, start. To the present hour, we, are hung, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And we labor working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. Was that 11 12? Yeah, and and there's some, particularly in First and Second Corinthians, uh, there's a number of places where Paul talks about. For time, time's sake, we won't go through all of those, but we know that there were times when they were, um, well, they were, you know, he and those he was with were, you know, actually beaten and came close to death. Um, yeah, but there are other times they were just plain hungry just didn't have food, you know? And so, <clears throat> so he's lived, but lived through that. But 
it's interesting. He says um, in verse 12, in every, any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. <coughs> What's that secret? It's, it's an open secret. That's what they said. I thought that was good. Yeah, it's, it's an open secret. The secret is verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Um, he points out this is, and I, this is true, this is one of the, maybe one of the most um, wrong, <laughs> wrongly used, or wrongly applied verses in the Bible, you know, a lot of athletes, you know, have it on there for, you know, this is my inspiration and things like that. And um, yeah, it's, it's it said some translations actually do it this way, but maybe better is I can do all these things through him who strengthens me. And so really, yes, that does. Yeah, that doesn't make this weaker. That like strengthens it. This is this idea of contentment, being content with what we have, being content in all circumstances. We have all the power to be content um, through him. Uh, in this theme of it's in Christ. It's um, the power that we have, the motivation that we have to do all these things. It comes from Christ. It, it's um, so part without Christ. Um, we might be looking at self-sufficiency that's sort of uh, I don't know in our society that's America you know we're individualistic and that kind of thing this idea of being self-sufficient is a is held up as a great virtue um, to a certain degree you know there's a certain there's some certain truth in that but that's not that's not where our strength, that's not what scripture tells us our strength is. We, our, our position ought to be, we're not self-sufficient, we're Christ-sufficient. Um, our sufficient, sufficiency, our power, our ability to be content in all things comes from him. And how do we practically, how do we so practically speaking, how do we live this out? How do we, how are we able to be content? Just a few minutes, just. Uh... I think a big part of it is what he was saying, being in Christ, so knowing Christ, um, which might be tough. Well, I don't know, but it might be tough at the beginning for maybe a new believer because they're still getting to know him, but I think he he has a way of like guiding everybody, even when he much. But I think that's part of it. Is knowing him really well. Like kind of just watching the way he talks, the way he speaks in there, just the way he echoes through the whole book. Yeah. Experience, um, like what you said, uh, I just know in my life being content, not worrying about, you know, if something comes up, either 
financially or you know whatever it is in life, something, some trial or whatever comes up. At this point in my life, the first thing that hits me is not how are we going to get through this? You know, how what's going to happen? We're, we're all going to die and everything's going to go. You know, it's not that. It's okay. I know God's going to get us through this. I just don't know how and when. So it, it's those things that I have to go to God and say, you know, God, you have, you're under control. You knew this was going to happen. You knew we didn't have money for the tonsillectomy, but you knew it was going to happen. So you, I've got to put my faith. Yeah. Yeah. But, because you trust that He is in control of right. Yeah. Right, and He hasn't promised that everything would look perfect in our eyes. Everything would, I mean. It doesn't mean you'll always get bailed out. You won't. Right. I mean, God taking care of my needs may, may mean that I'm a widow at a young age. I mean, that, that could be, you know? But so I, have to, I have to understand that he's still in control. She's in Disneyland. How about being content with <clears throat> content with plenty? How, how, how does that play out? I think that's even hard for some people. Yeah. I'd say it's harder, isn't it? I think the more you have, the more you want. Yeah. Yeah. Look at all of our elite, our Hollywood people. You know, they're all star. You know, they're so the most miserable people you ever wanted yeah. to for crying out loud. Yeah. There's um. We don't have time, but. When y'all get a chance, look at um, Proverbs 30 sometime this week because it talks about not, um, having enough um, but not having too much, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, you saw, so, right? I mean, read, yeah. Read yeah. 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 So. Um, Very dedicated prayer life. Mm -hmm. I also add as well a very strong, very well-tuned faith. Yeah. Like an understanding of the hierarchy of what's important. Bible, Bible said. Yeah. I think I feel like getting that out of funk can make it really difficult to like to lean on the strength of Christ when you're like when my emotions are so awful and that becomes like the highest thing of anything that's ever been important in your life all of a sudden. Yeah. But, yeah, so we got to wrap it up. But I, I do want to point this one thing out right in his final greeting uh, that they pointed this out in the book, and it's like wow. So it's almost I mean it's a it's almost an incidental little thing, but verse twenty greet every saint in Jesus Christ or brothers who are, are with me greet you. It's verse twenty two. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. And you think okay, Caesar's household. It's like sort of an incidental thing, but what is he saying? This is Caesar, the most powerful man probably in the world at that time. Um, definitely, I mean, some more than other, but they were enemies of the gospel, enemies of the church, trying to stamp out the church. I'm not sure which Caesar this was, but 
those of Caesar's household greet you. I mean, what's he? So I think he's. Look at uh, all his guards were being influenced by yeah. the gospel and all that. And of course, they probably went home and talked about their sons. Yeah. In other words, this guy Paul, Paulus, and he's telling us this and that. Isn't isn't God and everything else? And, yeah, and they were. Uh, and uh, if, you know, people talk. Yeah, the, Good or bad. the power of the gospel. Isn't he sort of saying here that the power of the gospel is more powerful than the power of Rome? Uh, I, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, uh, so that's not just a little incidental statement there. That's probably no way this happened, but by his stupid brain believes that he wrote this little article for God's face. Yeah. And that's what I know, that's either Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's normal, some people might say, hey, I don't want to be Paul's guard today. And others say, hey, let me. Yeah. I want to hear some more. But that's encouragement for us, you know, in this world when it seems like, sometimes it seems like evil is prevailing. Nah, it's not. God, God wins in the end. It's like someone, yeah, someone at OHC, a guy who's, yeah, the, the real story of the Bible is, yeah. Jesus wins, and, you know, so...